Hello. After a difficult 2022, are the signs of a brighter time in 2023? With me to discuss this is Fidelity's Global Chief Investment Officer, Andrew McCaffrey. Welcome, Andrew. Hello, Richard. Now, Andrew, I'd like to start by talking about China and uh, informed by the latest Fidelity analyst survey, a survey that we conduct every year. It asks 152 of our sector specialists how they think the companies that they follow will perform. Uh, And this year, in particular, um, there is optimism about China, which, of course, uh, is opening up after nearly three years of strict um, COVID rules. Um, Does that give you optimism for the year ahead? Uh, It does. Um, I think we've had quite a a differentiated view um, you know that uh, if you take it all the way back to what feels like a long time ago the uh, despair that was being felt on the Monday post the China um, uh, Communist Party Congress uh, that you know we were very quick to say that we felt that things were being misinterpreted that the politics actually were behind us the future was about pivoting towards growth and discussion of growth and I think the last um, few months we've seen that and more and and I Remember in one of our conversations, I used the delta of growth would go up, that all of a sudden you'd see analysts and and market participants talking about growth being higher. Well, at that stage, it had a two handle on the expectations. Now we're seeing it up to five. So, you know, there's very dramatic change. And I think it is, uh, you know, truly uh, justified because we have seen a significant policy shift. Now, some of that we thought was likely to occur. But you've seen a number of various um, interventions at a policy level, whether it be the property market, whether it be the nature of regulation and holding that back, even rolling back elements of it. But more importantly, putting a very clear framework on how they want to do business, i.e. they're open for business going forward. And I think that's a big change in expectations for the market. So this is the pragmatic response um, as differentiated from the rhetoric, the political rhetoric um, back during the, the, the party congress. I think it definitely is. And I think that what you saw from the marketplace was that many investors came in on that Monday and really moved all the tower risk um, views and, uh, and concerns to almost like a baseline. So, you know, all of the elements that would be politically orientated on the downside were very much thought to be that's what we're going to see going forward. Whereas in reality, is, and, and as you know, we uh, discussed, is that actually it was more a case that all of the political issues were now addressed. She was in control. Now it was how does he achieve what he needs to? And also what was important for the country? And really, when you looked at some of the unemployment rates at the uh, younger levels of generation, when you looked at um, you know, what was happening within their ability to be able to stimulate domestic um, demand and activity, those were clearly stress areas. And I think that you've seen that, uh, that move. And again, around COVID, that everyone was saying that you know, zero COVID policy would last forever. And you know, we were saying, look at Hong Kong. Hong Kong really was in some ways the lead indicator and that was being translated onto the mainland to see how they could operate. And that change um, you know, occurred for the fact that also we had an earlier you know, Chinese New Year, which was very important to try and position for. So I think what was interesting is that a number of things that actually were you know, sort of on the proverbial chessboard to be considered were just being ignored. Um, and now, you know, as they're coming through, I think that optimism is built up. So the challenge is that markets now have discounted some of that. And we may need to consolidate um, you know, to ensure that then it really is that 
some of it is real, some of it is flowing through, and actually more market participants buy into the idea for us to be able to make further gains uh, off of the lows um, in Q4. Um, I've been trying to think of a, of a chess metaphor um, to say that it's not uh, checkmate on mm. a, um, an easy win for, for China, because there are other things around that they've still got to get through um, COVID and, and how they balance that with reopening. And then also we've, we've had the, the news of um, you know, the demographic change, the tipping point yeah. where China's actually shrinking in terms of population, um, which has happened you know, a decade or so sooner than many people thought looking, looking at the, the demographics. So how do investors weigh those conflicting narratives? You've got the, the sort of the pragmatic realism that you were setting out before, as well as some, um, some headwinds, uh, like, like a, a demographic headwind, which will hit China the way it's hit uh, Japan. Uh, so I think it's a much longer term influence. Um, and so to, to read it immediately that markets come in and discount that, I think is highly unlikely. And actually, the real consequence of that, when you think about size of population, still the numbers that can be um, you know, drawn into different areas of activity within the uh, the economy. But going back to my point about consolidation, now, what you've seen is the recovery from really expectations that were misplaced on the downside. To go forward, it's going to be about some of the realisation of some of those improvements and also the follow-through having real discernible um, uh, positive slowing into the Chinese economy. And also to agree, when we look more broadly, that you start to see those being registered elsewhere because there's a lot of hope and optimism being driven by not just for China and within China, but obviously the impact that will have more broadly, even at a global level. Well, I was going to ask precisely that point, actually. Does China coming back, does you know, anticipated growth in its, uh, in its economy, does that make um, things easier for policymakers, whether it's in government or in central banks, in the rest of the world? Or the question is, how much of that growth will spread to the rest of the world? Yes, yeah, so I think that really is the tough question because um, the nature of how it's being generated and targeted looks much more as if it will have a clear domestic influence because in some ways China was kept going by its exporting profile. Now this is really looking to have domestic demand and to have very much building on the resilience within China. So I think the influences are much closer to China and they're you know, both geographically and sphere of influence. I think the consequences around the world will be a bit more mixed. You know, Europe, obviously, great luxury brands, um, you know, perception of demand picking up. Uh, you know, that has already started to flay into to markets to a degree. And I think it does have for Europe as a big exporter and to China and to Asia, that that has a clear positive impact. You know, for the US, um, for some other parts of the world, that most probably more of a mixed picture in terms of the level of which that um, will flow through as real uh, you know, economic activity. But I think there's an interesting part on in the policymaker front because in some ways it's great because it's generating growth. But the reality is that, um, you know, that also means for central bankers, how does that then flow through into what they're looking to um, ensure uh, takes place in the developed world is the removal of those inflationary pressures. And does it actually end up keeping a little bit more of a tailwind behind growth, which actually gives a tailwind also to some of those inflationary um, pressures when we look beyond the uh, uh, interim period. And the interim I would classify as through the next six to 12 months where you will see inflation numbers likely at the headline dropping quite significantly, at core being a bit stickier. But will this make 
everything be a little bit stickier as we look to 24. And then what does that mean for central bank policy as the markets are very heavily discounting that the economies will move towards recession, inflation will be coming down much further, and therefore interest rates will be cut. And so I think it actually introduces some complexity into the picture for 23. Going back to the analyst survey, the the headline is light at the end of the tunnel, by which the analysts mean 2023 is going to be pretty tough, but recovery over the next 12 months or so. So exactly that time frame that you were just um, talking about. So we've got to get through this year first. (laughs) And some of the headlines uh, in the press over the past week or two have been quite startling. You've got um, particularly the tech companies, Meta, Microsoft, and Google's parent company, Alphabet, um, laying off large numbers of people. What signal does that send um, to markets about what might lie ahead more broadly? Well, so I think, first of all, there's a little bit of perspective that's required that the numbers being laid off are nowhere near the numbers that have been taken on board since 2020. So as a proportion of the overall numbers, they're quite small still. Yes. These are huge companies. Yes. And and so I think it's an important signal um, in that they clearly feel in that they had gone too far and there were challenges they need to address. But I think that, as I said, when you look at it in how many people that they've hired in the, the period up to now, then it's way in excess of um, some of the, the layoffs that we're seeing at this point in time. Um, I think the other part, though, is that when link it back into to the market, we've had a significant deflating again of the, uh, especially of um, multiples in the individual stocks, and some of that has has come back to uh, you know uncertainty maybe in the earnings um, profile, but really it's been a consequence of interest rates and then being very sensitive as very much growth stocks in the way um, uh, you know perceived that that would flow flow back into challenges from inflation being higher their cost profile increasing at the same time that that impact on to growth from interest rate moves um, and their sensitivity to that um, you know being very uh, stark interestingly enough where we are now again it goes back to that we've seen yields stabilize and decline um, you've seen uh, you know clear signs that the inflationary impulse, is declining from um, the high levels that we had in 22. And so I think that when you look at some of the companies, may find actually that they're in a relatively you know, better position. The challenge comes then really more of uh, a macro perspective of capital that flowed to the US and naturally went into these you know, small number of companies that we've seen a lot redrawn, but still there's a huge amount that sits there and sits in the US. And, and that, I think, may be one of the challenges looking forward is that as we see a turn, and is it a concerted turn in the dollar, as we see a turn in the expectations of and an differentiation in favor of the US, will that mean that actually that capital continues to flow? So it has an impact on some of those, those companies, um, but also more broadly in the US relative to capital moving elsewhere. And I think that's one of the big questions, but also one of the big opportunities for 23, 24. And back to our analyst survey, is that I think what's very interesting is that when you look at where is the impulse for better sort of you know, outlook on the horizon, a lot of that is coming from China, from Asia picking up, from developing world. And so again, I think these things um, you know, will be very interesting as we see gradually play out. But I, I do think that going back to those individual companies, better value now, but have some of these other types of challenges um, that may be felt. Well, that seems like a, a good link to ask you now, Andrew, about um, your 
asset allocation. Um, given all of that context, we talked a lot about China, but we've talked about the Im its impact on the rest of the world and um, where we think inflation and interest rates are going to go. How does your allocation look at the moment, Fidelity? Yes, so uh, the first part, I suppose, is really um, starting off in the fixed income world and that whole element around um, you know, interest rates and um, central bank policy. And you know, we had perceived that that had reached a point where the markets were going to anticipate a level of uh, change. We saw inflation coming off. Now, obviously, as we discussed, moves to growth, but that gives scope for duration and so being long of government bonds um, to have a chance to perform. And that's already happened. Um, so most probably, again, there, we've seen the first leg um, in that decline. Now we may see some consolidation, some of these issues playing out as if growth is not going to be as bad, does the market actually need to take back some of that, um, uh, you know, hope for interest rate cuts and, and lower yields in a year. But I still think that we see more to go there as inflation comes down, as the growth picture still stays a little bit um, less certain in the US and in, uh, in Europe. Credit is a more difficult picture. Um, and still feel that we had opportunities, um, especially in Q4, where you saw the chance to take on investment grade um, paper and uh, actually some selective parts of the credit world. Um, those have rallied. And so now it's more a case that um, thinking that we're in a more, uh, you know, currently stable environment, but actually some of that value has been taken out. And so a little bit more cautious, especially when you look to um, you know, high yield and some other areas of the moment which have seen that recovery. So not to chase it. But emerging markets, interestingly enough, that looking at local currency, partly the dollar, um, partly that those countries are actually ahead of the game in terms of being able to change policy um, uh, approach. And so interest rate cuts coming onto the, um, uh, the table already, then they could do relatively uh, well. So something that we're looking at as we um, look through the, uh, the months ahead. For equities, still relatively cautious, looking through um, the, uh, the current um, gains and not chasing those. But we have been very positive on China and parts of Asia. So that's been very fortunate. You know, now taking US back to a more neutral um, position. And really, it's a case of um, you know, reviewing that as we look ahead. So still a, a level of caution, even with the, the uh, recovery. And then last really is the, the dollar, that most probably we've had a good um, uh, markdown in the dollar. Now, really, this is the stage where we might see a little bit more consolidation, challenge of that dollar view for the same reasons we've discussed. But over time, we think that um, uh, the dollar will likely uh, uh, you know, start to see some um, uh, weakening again as the year progresses. And that's going to have implications again for emerging markets and for some of the other majors. Lots there to think about. Angie, thank you very much indeed. Thank you, Richard. And for listeners, I'd like to plug that analyst survey I mentioned at the start. Um, it's being published on the 6th of February. So check your local Fidelity website or fidelityinternational.com. Uh, it's a really good read. Lots in there, uh, not just on China, very broad uh, coverage. Now, the producer today was Holly Eastman with technical support from Connor Bailey. Until next time, from all of us here at Fidelity, goodbye. This podcast is for investment professionals only and should not be relied upon by private investors. This podcast is provided for informational purposes only and is intended only for the person or entities to which it is sent. It must not be reproduced or circulated to any other party without the prior permission of Fidelity. The value of investments can go down as well as up, so you may get back less than you invest. For other important legal notices, please visit your local Fidelity website.